You're listening to Shows That Shaped Me, a podcast by What's On Stage. This week's guest is the Artistic Director of the Bush Theatre, Madney Eunice. When he joined the Shepherd's Bush Theatre in 2012, he became the first non-white Artistic Director of London Theatre Building. The following year, he programmed the theatre's most successful season to date, which saw the theatre play to 99% capacity. In 2016, he led a major redevelopment of the theatre, which was completed last year and includes a second studio space for the venue. As a director at the Bush, his productions have included The Royale, Perseverance Drive and Chalet Lions. Here is Madney Eunice. The most memorable production in my career to date has probably been a show I did in Bradford when I was the artistic director of Freedom Studios. We did a show called The Mill City of Dreams. This show has always sort of stayed with me because of just what it meant at the time. I think we'd gone through a period of really wanting to make our work in the communities in which we were from. And so this show took place in the heart of Bradford, in the heart of a working class community, in a disused mill, in a disused textile factory to be precise. And it was the show charting the journey of that post-war wave of migrants that came from Eastern Europe, from Poland, from Italy, from the subcontinent and from the Caribbean. The reason this show was so significant, I suppose, is living in Bradford as I do and as I did then, I was always struck by how these mills kind of went from being the symbol of industry for our country and then became the reason uh, that immigrant communities would then come to England to work as cheap labour post-war. And then as that industry was on the decline, as it quickly sort of fell away throughout the 80s, you were then left with these buildings that then sort of scarred the landscape, these mills that scarred the landscape. And so they sort of get repurposed. Some of them become sort of flashy um, apartments, those types of apartment blocks where you need a security key to get into every part of the building, those sort of gated communities. But some of those mills are then repurposed and become snooker halls. And these were kind of places I'd hang out in and we would hang out in. It's a sort of place where it's commonly accepted. You can, uh, they're male-dominated spaces firstly, predominantly Asian male-dominated spaces. They sort of commonly accepted, not in all of them by any means, but in some of them that you can smoke cigarette and sort of flout those rules. Uh, You can smoke a bit of weed. And I just remember being in these mills and kind of just hanging out and thinking to myself, what happened to those dreams that only a generation ago our parents had for my generation and somehow we are now in the same spaces in which they once dreamt and there's this kind of other life we're living and don't get me wrong, the young men in these spaces weren't young men without hopes and dreams of their own but it was just an interesting sort of through line for me in the architecture of uh, that part of the country. So this show, The Mill City of Dreams, not only spoke of the history of those buildings, but spoke of the present moment and tried to find that through line between the concerns of generations, but also the concerns of northern cities that kind of post-industrial cities. For me, what was significant was like 70% of our production budget 
was spent within a mile radius of the building. That was a super important point to us. We ensured that we had open rehearsals, which meant members of the community could come in and watch our work. We, um, our costumes were sewn by the aunties that worked in the community centre up the road. And it was a show that did hugely well, that I felt really spoke of and up for the communities in which we lived in, and hence why I think that will be and has been the most memorable show of my career to date. The production that has always stayed with me was Robert Lepage's The Far Side of the Moon that was at the Barbican. I just remember going, I'd heard about this guy, I'd heard about Robert Lepage and people, other artists would say his name as if they were related to him. I mean, he was, his name was used a lot by a lot of people, but I'd never seen his work before. Seen images, probably seen clips of him on YouTube or seen clips of his shows on YouTube, etc. But you, essentially, you knew he was the daddy. Everyone spoke about Robert Lepage like he is the daddy. And I'd heard a friend of mine, I was in Yorkshire at the time, and said, look, uh, the Far Side of the Moon Robert Lepage show is at the Barbican. You should get your ass there and go see it. And I remember, yeah, it was kind of as you'd expect with the Robert Lepage show. Tickets were hard to come by. And I remember getting a ticket for a matinee. And I remember getting there, collecting my ticket, and I remember the member of staff at box office saying it's like three hours long, three and a half hours long without an interval. I'd never experienced a show that had run that long without an interval. And I sure as hell hadn't experienced a solo show as that was that ran for three and a half hours. I sat in the audience. It was a matinee. It was completely sold out and was just mesmerised by the stagecraft of Robert Lepage, mesmerised by the just the elegance of the design of the precision of the lighting of how it held me and everyone in that audience um, completely in its grasp for as long as it did I think there was one moment um, probably having slightly been too caffeinated where I was like oh god I really I think I might need to go to the bathroom and looking down at my watch and it was like It'd been about two and a half hours. I thought, God, that's gone really quickly. Almost time stood still as I sat and watched The Far Side of the Moon. It is a memory that will stay with me forever. And it was the first time I got to see someone that I had revered from afar. The production I wish I had seen, but sadly was unable to for reasons that will become clear in just a moment. I would love to have been there for the opening night of A Raisin in the Sun by Lorraine Hansberry. For all the writers I've worked with, all the directors I've worked with over the years, it's probably the book I've either referenced within the first 20 minutes of meeting someone or having taught a class of some kind. And it's probably the book, the playtext I've bought the most as a gift for artists that I have worked with or friends of mine that I think should just know this amazing piece of work. I am in love with that play for everything it stands for. It was a bit like I, the first time I read like a Langston Hughes or a Baldwin or an Ellison. When I read Lorraine Hansberry's A Raisin in the Sun, I'm not American, I know not much about the that particular experience as it is framed and set up in that show but the vibration of that show show kind of reached across an entire continent and into my front room as I sat and read that playtext in my hands and 
that image, I think as a director, you're always trying to sort of imagine, recreate a moment in your imagination. And I always indulge myself in that thought of wanting to understand what it felt like, what it'd feel like to have been there at that opening night of that kind of seminal show. I mean, such a seminal show. And I've probably seen every production that's been here in the UK. So it's a show. And I think I, I watch every production because I just want to... I just can't get enough of it. I think I'm kind of hooked on that show. Um, but also just because I feel like I'm in love with the words of Lorraine Hansberry. The person I'd most like to work with is Winston Pinnock. And in the next couple of months, I'm going to be really privileged to work with Winston for the first time. I will be directing her amazing play, Leave Taking, here at the Bush Theatre. Winston Pinnock is one of those figures that I heard about throughout my career. She was a, a name that people spoke of in the highest of tones. Um, a writer whose kind of reputation precedes her in the very best, in the very best of ways. Here at the Bush Theatre, I just felt names like Winston Pinnock, names like Trish Cook, Carol Phillips, Barry Record, etc., etc., are names of playwrights that I think aren't spoken of uh, as often as they should be, and whose work should be at the centre of the British theatrical canon. I feel like I'm about to take on a classic by an artist who I've respected from afar for so long. Look, if you're a fan of A View From The Bridge, if you are a fan of The Amen Corner, if you're a fan of A Raisin In The Sun, it's, of, it's cut from that cloth. She is of that ilk. And this play is timeless, it is universal, it is a story for today as much as, as, much as it was a story that took place 30 years ago. So yeah, Winston Pinnock. Thank you for listening to Shows That Shaped Me, a podcast by What's On Stage. If you've enjoyed listening, please do subscribe on iTunes so that you don't miss a single episode. Previous episodes include Rosalie Craig, Drew McConey, James Graham and Lindsay Posner.